0: Check Me Out is made possible in part by a grant from Humanities Texas, the state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Personally, was not into that. However, when you got to the H.H. Home stuff, I was way on board. Right. But okay. I was like kind of hauling through the rest of it trying to get to the murder part, you know. That was the reaction when I gave that as a choice for
1: my, some of my students at school. They're like, the, the part on the, the fair itself, not so
0: much. Give us more of the murder yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I'm. That's what I'm here for. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this.
2: Welcome to Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Hillary Holsey, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amy Hart. Say hi, Amy. Hello. And today we are talking about historical fiction, and as I'm sure you've read since you clicked on this link to listen to it, it is titled Tale as Old as Time, because Amy and I are kind of cheesy like that. So <laughs> um, we have two very special guests <laughs> with us today to talk about historical fiction and all that uh, that implicates. So if you guys would take a moment to introduce yourselves, I'll start with... Reagan.
3: Well, hello. My name is Reagan Hales. Um, i not sure what all you want me to say, Hillary. I have been a bookworm since I can even remember. I, my earliest memories of reading were, of course, the Babysitter's Club series, as, you know, everybody did back in yes. the 80s. And I remember my dad would come in and read with me and he would end up passing out in my bed while I read. Um So I've been a book lover forever.
2: That's a great introduction. Karen, what about you?
1: Well, my name is Karen Schrader. I'm the English department chair at Tesco High School. I've also always had a book in hand, and I'm significantly older than you are because the first series I ever read were the Nancy Drew books. So, you know, that puts me in a different category altogether. But, you know, I love to read and I'm excited to be here.
2: Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is something I love about this podcast is, as far as I know, you guys have never met each other before today. Um, and I we're bringing you together because we both heard in at least a past podcast with you, Karen, because you were in our, is it the first season? Right. Amy? Or is it the second? It might have been the second because you guys won the Great American Read Trivia. That's right. Um, we did. Game that we had. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Reagan, I know through work, and she loves books and was like, please let me be on your podcast. So I'm so glad that you guys are able to come together and talk about historical fiction today. <laughs> I'm going to get started with a very generic question. And we'll just take turns, but also feel free to jump in and uh, you know chat amongst each other if you identify something that you have in common. So, we'll start with Karen.
1: How did you get into historical fiction? Okay. Why, what do you love about it? I love the tie to history. I've always been fascinated by what happened in the past, and I always wanted more than what a history book told me. Um, so, I would go to primary sources, but they're a little dry. So, then I discovered historical fiction, which, you know, was centered on real things that happened most of the time and had real people that you could connect to what you already knew. And it just became a favorite of mine.
2: What about you, Reagan?
3: Uh, kind of the same. My dad was a big history buff growing up. And I guess I kind of took the reins from that because he and I shared books and shared a love of books together. And um, so he had me reading all these historical biographies and, War tales as a kid, and then just kind of evolved from there. But yeah, I think it's really just a shared love of of history.
2: So I I I know a lot of people choose history because they do find nonfiction incredibly dry. Do you prefer Reagan to read historical fiction to nonfiction, or is it just uh, is equal?
3: You know, I think, I mean, I'm one of those people that has, you know, like four books going at any one time. (laughs) And I think for me, what I like about historical fiction, rather than just always reading, you know, straight history books, is that I feel like with historical fiction novels, you know, the novelists are painting the imagery a lot more. They're getting a lot more in depth into the characters' emotions and you know, the psychology of what's going on. So you really, to me, you experience the situation at a more kind of emotional level than when you're just reading, you know, kind of a, a repetition of events that happened. So I think, you know, I might read a historical fiction book and then immediately follow it with something that's a little bit more just historic. Um, I, I kind of like to compliment them.
2: What about you, Karen?
1: Do you read nonfiction? I read some nonfiction, but probably not as much as um, apparently Reagan does, because I don't always pair them. Although, depending on the 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 topic and what I'm interested in, I have I have read more nonfiction recently than what I had in the past. Um, Most recently, I was reading some historical fiction about World War II and Winston Churchill and his wife, and and did go back and read some other nonfiction accounts and. Just to fill in things that I had questions on, but I typically don't read as much non, true, straight nonfiction.
2: What, Winston Churchill, what books were you reading? Just out of curiosity.
1: Um, I read one. It was called Lady Clementine and it was really focusing on his wife and her relationship and how much she influenced him. But of course, it, it runs that, that fine line between fiction and fact because nothing that happened in it is disputed as having happened, but of course conversations aren't word for word because the author wasn't there. It's just drawing from what historical sources they could find. So um, that was one that I read and it was fascinating. And then I went and read um, The Splendid and the Vile by Eric Larson. Mm, I read that. Right. And, and very different writing styles. Also very engaging, but not as compelling as Lady Clementine was. So,
2: what do you think of the Splendid and the Vile Reagan?
1: Well, any of
3: his novels, I mean, they're super thick. Yes, why can I not think of his name?
1: Um, um Eric Larson, oh,
3: yes, Eric Larson. Like, I've read, um, Devil in the White City, right? Um, which is it's not a historical fiction, but almost. But his his stuff is so, so good. And I think in some ways, right. he can get down to an interesting kind of gritty level. But, um, I mean, with his books, to me, or at least the way I have to read them, is really, really slowly. Just because there's so much to unpack in every book he does.
2: Absolutely. I think he's Absolutely. an author that you can tell is very... Yeah. Well-researched, which is my big thing about historical fiction. I also love it. I I think I just love knowing that somebody poured over journals and letters and, you know, all sorts of elements of history to create some sort of narrative. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think that he's definitely one you could tell that does that. So do you have a favorite historical fiction author or book or series? Karen, we'll start with you.
1: Gosh, my favorite usually is whatever I'm reading at the moment. but, (laughs) but. I think I've got two series that I really have enjoyed thoroughly, and one of them um, I think is is getting more attention because of the TV series or the cable series that came out, Outlander by Diana Gabaldon. Um, that would be a, a real current favorite. Another series and, and uh, author that I really, really liked was a series – by John Jakes called North and South that took place in the American Civil War. Those are probably my top two authors. John, J-
2: that's that, the, is that the series that starts with The Bastard? Am I thinking of the right series by
1: John Jakes? Mm, he's got a couple of series, and so I okay. don't know that that's the right one. I, because st- I, read I started Northern, reading one of his. Right. I think North and South starts with North and South. I don't think there was a prequel, but gosh, that's been 20 years since I read that one, so. My I, family.
2: I, I seem to remember you being one of the only guests that came on during the Great American Read that actually talked about Outlander and knew much about it. Am I right, Amy, to say that? Um, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What do you like about Outlander? And Reagan,
1: have you read Outlander?
3: No,
2: I haven't. Okay. Well, I want to hear this again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just really enjoyed it because there was so much political... And military history in the book, in a book that you didn't necessarily expect to see that in. Um, you know, it's a fictional sci-fi time travel plot. But then there are the real accounts of, well, this happened and here's the, the economic reasons. Here are the military things that led to it. Here are the political things that all led into it. And so I just found that fascinating um, because... And I, I, I think I just didn't know enough about European history and English history and Scottish history. And the fact that the story was so compelling just made it all the more fascinating. And then when she had them conveniently travel over to the United States, um, we got involved with American history as well. So it continued. And it was like, Huh, this is this is really a great way to find out some things that aren't covered in history books.
2: Yeah, I think, I, I have not read Outlander, um, and obviously tons of people love it, uh, it has its own, you know, series on Netflix, I believe, is where you can watch it. Um, into. I think it's on Stars
1: actually. Yeah, it's oh, on is Starz, it? yeah. Some it's of the okay. early series are on Netflix, but I don't think the most recent ones are, um, yeah, Netflix.
2: I, I, that's a big reason why I love reading historical fiction, is just understanding some of the cultural implications of, you know, somewhere that's not the United States and, uh, learning about that kind of history because we do have a very narrow scope so to speak uh when you're learning history in school um reagan what about you what are some of your favorite books or series
3: you know i don't really i don't ever end up in a series i think just because i like so much variety i if anything i'll end up like in an era you know like this year it was i read everything world war ii World War One into World War II. Um, so, I, like, I'll read one book about, you know, World War Two, and then it'll – I read a lot of books on my Kindle, so it'll say, you know, since you liked this book, try this one. Right. And so I'll end up, you know, reading five or six books about a specific era or a specific location, um, which I kind of enjoy because you really – get all of these different experiences around that one place. And you might read one book that talks about a person or a location. And then the next book gives you another perspective on a person or a location. So it really just kind of helps you to dive, you know, waist deep into something. Um, So I don't really ever end up in a series. I just, I guess I've just never found one. I just kind of
1: approach it from that way. And I think I always end up with series because if I really like the characters, I want to know what happens to them. So. (laughs) Yeah. Makes (laughs)
2: sense. Give me
1: more of the story. So So
2: Reagan, what are some of the World War II books that you read this year?
3: Well, um, so a couple of them that I really, really loved. My favorite one was called We Were the Lucky Ones. Um, And I think what was interesting really for me about reading a lot of these books this year is you see individuals, families, cultures that are going through, you know, a, a horrific experience um, and how they kind of had to dig deep within themselves, within each other and get through it. And to have those stories and those experiences kind of compared to what, you know, we're going through globally with COVID, it was a really interesting opportunity to just sit back and go, wow, you know, you see how these people manage this and this attack on their societies and how would we have responded and how would those people be responding today? Um, But we were the lucky ones focused on a family in Poland. Um, I think it was parents and like three or four kids that lived in one of the Jewish ghettos. And As the Nazis were coming into Poland, this family just scattered really to save their lives. And it was some of the kids, I think, were teenagers and joined the war. Others defected. Um, I think someone in the book had like a two or a three year old and had to, you know, escape for their lives. And so you follow each of these family members throughout the war and just how. They managed to evade um, capture, how they managed to find work, how they managed to just survive by sheer will. And so to read a lot of that and then to kind of, you know, close it, close the book every night or every day and step back and go, wow, you know, we are struggling, but at least we have connectivity via our phones or via computers or TV to stay in connection to other people where these people were so isolated. And so it was an interesting experience to really think about the isolation in their experience that we don't have to suffer through, um, which I can only imagine how hard that made it. So that was a really, really powerful um, book for me this year.
2: Karen, have you found yourself
1: reading stuff like that? I have. That's what I was just about to ask that made me think about a couple of books that I read earlier also dealing with World War I and World War II, I read D-Day Girls, and that dealt with women who were spies that volunteered to go on spy missions during the war, and it was incredible. One of the women left her family, her two children, to go off and go into Germany, to go into France, to go into wherever she was needed, and it was just, that's just fascinating. Would I have had the gumption to do something like that? Would I have had... The patriotism to, to put my own family's needs aside and do what was needed to be done for the greater good so that we could win the war. I don't know. Now those, those people were tough and it, I think you're right. I think looking at what people went through and what they dealt with and what they didn't have that we have makes us appreciate more all that we do have.
2: I think one of the, one of my favorite books that I read when I was a kid, because um, I really love youth uh, YA historical fiction. I I don't know why seeing something through a, a child's eyes really just tugs at the heartstrings, but it does. But um, Milkweed, I don't know if y'all have ever read that, but it, it takes place in Poland, and similarly, you kind of see from the kid's perspective what it's like to be in war torn Poland. I, I just wonder if do you feel that the historical fiction creates a sense. Of empathy, even though we we don't experience. I mean, I I know we can be grateful for not having to go through what they're going through, but we are going through a difficult time right now. So, do you think that there's a certain amount of empathy empathy or sympathy that happens when you read historical fiction? Either one of you can answer that.
1: I think so. I think that's one of the benefits of reading literature. I think that by looking at the characters, looking at how they interact, looking at the Personal conflicts they feel, you have a chance to experience and to think through things that you don't have to experience personally. And it creates a, a greater sense of empathy for those that are suffering things like that. So, yeah, I would say absolutely.
3: And I would agree. I mean, again, I think that goes back to my earlier comment that within historical fiction, the writers really try to capture a lot of that emotion a lot more. I read a book called The Invention of Wings by Suma Kidd that talked about it was um, the two sisters in South Carolina that were some of the first abolitionists, female abolitionists. And, um, you know, to hear their story and to, you know, read it from a a novel perspective um, really made you think about, wow, what are these girls going through and the things they're giving up? And you really kind of were put into their mindset so much more, than if you had just been reading it as, you know, kind of an outsider. Um, And what was so funny, I finished that book, and then a week or two later I was in Charleston for work and had some time between meetings and was touring a home. And I walked into this home just as a tourist, and on the wall there was a placard that said that one of these sisters had lived there. And so instantly that book came to life, and I thought about her talking about the slaves that worked for their family and, you know, everything that happened on their property. And I just felt so super connected to the house, the city, that family, that era. It was just really, really powerful.
0: That is so cool. That is cool. So I am actually not a huge reader of historical fiction. Um, I've only read probably a few. I did read The Devil in the White City, but I did read The Book Thief. And talking about empathy... Oh, my. That is one of the only books. I mean, I, I don't read a whole lot of books that make me cry. But that's one of those where just, oh, man, what a beautiful picture being painted, but also a really sad, tragic one. Um, Have either of you read the book, Thief? I have not.
1: No, I haven't. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I thought for sure you (laughs) had. (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
2: (laughs) Wow. Hillary, have you read it? Yeah, I did. I read it uh, two summers ago. And Amy's oh. right. You guys should add that to your list. Yeah.
0: Writing it down. Okay, I will do that. Yeah. And That's it's, cool. you know, um, yeah. it's really, it's beautifully written. But my thing, I think I have too many thoughts going on at once. And a lot of my thinking while I'm reading historical fiction is, okay, what is really true? And what's really not? right? What did they make up? And what's really not? How do you get past that as a reader?
1: Mm, I think like, I
3: think that's why often, I don't know. I think sometimes I don't care. Um, I just get so wrapped up in the story, but I think that's why frequently I'll end up following it up with like an actual like biography or a historical account of something that goes on, or I end up reading another book within that space or that um, time period, or, you know, I'll go do my own research. I'll get on Google and, just kind of go down a wormhole looking for different things. But while I'm in the story, I usually personally don't care.
1: I think I'm the same way. It's like once I'm involved in the story, the part of me that questions, did that really happen, gets shushed. So I just read and enjoy the story.
2: I, uh, like Reagan or both of you, actually, um, I have learned so many obscure things that I didn't know about history because they do so much research usually before they, uh, you know, go write the book. So I I do tend to lean more on you know what they're saying if I if it's so bizarre and out there I'll go like what and then I'll just Google it or you know
1: mm-hmm. uh, maybe
2: read a biography or something after but it doesn't bother me for some reason I also uh, there's a a series called uh, the The Garden of Allah. It's about a hotel in in Hollywood. Classical Hollywood is like my jam. That's probably my era or whatever <laughs> I read about the most. And I'm actually friends with the author, and he writes blogs alongside the books that, you know he's writing. and um it's just so easy to tell that he is as invested at in the historical facts as he is telling the story. I also like about historical fiction, Amy the the characters when you put characters in that story world you're not putting words into their mouth so like let's say you're reading a world war ii book and where i might have issues as if like hitler says something that hitler never said
1: or mm-hmm. something like that um
2: right. but you don't have to really worry about that with when you're following characters Do y'all agree with
1: uh-huh. that i would agree with that and i think that that is one of the criterias as long as i feel like the author has done research and knows what they're talking about, then I get wrapped up and immersed in this story. There was a book that I read about the American Revolution, and I'm going to have to think for a minute who the author was, but Benedict Arnold was a character, and just seeing him painted as a real person as opposed to the traitor of the American Revolution was fascinating, you know, and uh-huh. it, that's, that's part of the appeal there, and that helps me put it aside. You know, and I just get involved in, well, how would we have reacted? How would we have
0: thought through these things? So. Well, I reading The Devil in the White City, I will say that was very thorough as far as oh explaining uh, yeah. how you know tall everything was and how big everything and the expanse of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally was not into that. However, when you got to the H.H. Home stuff, I was way on board, right. but okay. I was like kind of hauling through the rest of it, trying to get to the murder part, you know, that was the reaction when I gave that as a choice for
1: my, some of my <laughs> students at school. They're like the, the part on the, sh- the
0: fair itself, not so
1: much. <laughs> Give us more of the more. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm that's what I'm here for. <laughs> well, then I've like I would you say, did this
3: with this book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, know, say, I told
0: you
3: like what I thought was interesting about cuz I'm totally with you guys on that, but I traveled, I used to travel a whole lot for work and I spent a lot of time in Chicago. And right. so as you, you know, you can take these architectural tours and go throughout the city. And to imagine how that city built and what it came from and just the nastiness that um, Larson explains. And and then to have this architect that comes in with this vision for creating just this epic um, development and what it was. And then when I realized, you know, and to think that none of that exists anymore. I mean, wow, how And the heartbreaking journeys journeys that these people went through to bring the world's fair there and how it's all gone, but it, you know, and then when I go to New York and see central park, I think about um, the landscape architect that built that. And then he had this influence in Chicago. And so I think it all, you know, you, you connect to parts of the books, or at least for me from a traveling perspective, you know, being in Charleston and then Chicago and, all these places, it for me, it brings a lot of that kind of stuff to life.
0: Maybe that's my issue. I haven't traveled enough. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. and, <laughs> and, and maybe that's claiming. the appeal.
0: It lets me travel without
1: getting to travel. So yeah, that that would certainly be part of the appeal. Yeah,
2: I also think Amy, with like history, if if you read enough nonfiction, um, I think you can kind of call BS if it's. <laughs> It's poorly written. I, you, I think you can tell when it's poorly written. I, I think so. I a, a book that I read, I can't think of the title of it, but I, I had to put it down probably 30 pages in where it just, I could just tell that mm-hmm. they didn't, they just kind of wanted to write it. It was a World War II book. And I've read enough of those that, <laughs> you know, well,
0: that's my what <laughs> Do you think somebody like me that maybe hasn't given it a fair chance, you know, what is an accessible book to get in? historical fiction
3: um so there a lot of times i will pick up on books when you hear someone's picked them up that they're making into movies i mean right i'm sure you'll remember there was a book called unbroken that was written several years ago it wasn't historical fiction it was like basically an autobiography of the gentleman who was the track star the olympic track star that um, was captured in World War II. Beautiful, beautiful story. But a lot of times I'll hear, okay, this is an interesting story that got picked up and is going to be made into a movie. And a lot of times those I've noticed are easier to get into. Um, There's a book I read this year called Beneath a Scarlet Sky that for anyone that normally doesn't read historical fiction, that's like, holy cow, this is thick. (laughs) I highly, highly recommend. Um, It's a beautiful, beautiful book. And then there's another one that I read called The Nightingale, which yes. um, was amazing.
1: That's just a amazing. wonderful book. Absolutely yes. a great entry point. I read yes. that. So I, I
3: recommend those two. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people that if I hear that somebody's picked it up and they're making it into the movie and it has happens to be based on a true story, I'm usually going to go write it down.
1: Or if I see that they've already made it into a movie, sometimes I'll backtrack there. There's one that I read, not it's been probably in the last two years, it was Alias Grace by Margaret Atwood. Yes. And yeah, I saw I that, that it was a series on Netflix and I was like, oh, I wonder if there's a book. And so I searched and, ah, oh, yes, there was. And I love Margaret Atwood anyway. And so I read it and that's another great one. There's psychology, there's murder, there's supernatural, there's... Canadian and U.S. relations, it's just a fascinating look at things and and easy to read. So I would suggest that. I loved that book, Karen.
2: Oh, Um, did you? Oh. And I think Amy would like it, too, because you read Handmaid's Tale, right? Yeah. And I really like the way that Margaret Atwood writes. So It's her style of writing. And as she said, it's murder crime. Mm. Um, And I think it's a little bit like... Although it does deal with history, she handles it in such a way that it's, it's happening at that time, but it's not, I don't think you would be so doused with history that you might, right. you know, right write it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great one. Well, what else? What other questions do you have, Amy?
0: Well, I think. You know, I think that a lot of times historical fiction, you know, I'm looking through all these lists now because I'm like, what do I, surely I've read more things than what I think <laughs> that I have. Has. But I think that's sure. the thing. I, I mean, they're saying the color purple counts, you know? Oh, definitely. Well, anything, I mean, generically,
2: like there are a lot of, uh, like uh, in the last podcast we recorded, um, the Underground Railroad was a, a recommendation that um, Stacy Yates made. Slavery... Narratives, uh, Gone with the Wind would mm-hmm. be another um, piece that I don't.
0: Beloved, that'd be another yeah. one that would go in there. You know, uh, but hard read, does but even, yeah. you know, does Sherlock Holmes count? Um, are we counting that? Borderline, it would depend on what the case was. I'm just trying to see what the parameters yeah. are. Like, what are the parameters of historical fiction for you? I think for me, it has to involve
1: real events that I can verify did happen. Uh-huh. Um, Real people that I can say, yes, they were there, that I can research and look to and say they would have said that. That's the kind of person they were.
0: So it's not necessarily and as, just a place in time. It's not. No. It's no. not about, um, you know, periods. It's more about an actual historical event for you. Right. Okay. Right.
1: Although I've read quite a few books that were more about time periods that I would say, like I read one on the Vikings that was a historical fiction. I'm trying to think Bernard Cornwell uh, maybe his writing is fascinating and it's, it's more period. There are some specific events, but it doesn't focus on the events, but the events are thrown in enough to let you know. Yeah, I did some research. This is what was going on. This is, these are, this is what times were like. So, but I think I How do about that. you Reagan?
3: I, I would agree. I mean, I think it's always kind of like, is there something that happened that I can, Tie this back to so I, I mean I agree I don't think it's just oh it was written in a, a certain era or you know it's placed in this setting so to speak but that right. it really um, talks about an event yeah
0: honestly. is I'm looking through a list and the pillars of the earth keeps coming up oh yeah. my goodness that's wonderful. I feel like I <laughs> would be in trouble if I didn't bring that up because it has been mentioned on the podcast several times. Becky Easton loved it. Yeah, and I just read
1: his most recent one, The Evening in the Morning, I think it was called. Yeah, The The Evening in the Morning, dealing with the Viking invasion, dealing with what brought civilization out of the Dark Ages into a more enlightened period. So, yes, absolutely, I would consider that historical fiction and. And also an, a very easy access point, mm-hmm. I think, for someone who hasn't read much historical fiction because he tells wonderful tales.
2: Another one, Amy, that was really popular a couple years ago is "Things Fall Apart," which uh, I think it's in, set in 1800s Nigeria, and it talks about like post-colonialism or pre-colonialism. Pardon me. And I, I that was one that I actually cried during just. Because of how well the author places you in that particular time period and um, just the situation there, you know, with what life was like before that particular thing happened. So that was—I can't remember what year that came out, but it was super popular.
0: Um, I've actually read eleven twenty-two sixty-three. If that counts, I don't know if that. Oh, so that counts. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Okay. of course it does course. Oh.
0: <laughs> that's also That's movie. probably I just recently watched if it. we're going to talk about my favorite ones that I've read, that's probably it. I flew through that book, so.
3: You know, I sometimes think when you know, a lot of times when I read these books and I love them, I end up talking to my kids about them a lot. And so often I'm like, "Man, Should we be teaching this in history, not just in like English and literature, because I loved English. I think any reader probably loved English in high school or college. But does historical fiction have a place in like history books? Because I feel like so often, I learn more about history through reading some of these books than I did as a student. You know, I don't know, maybe that could be I'm throwing
1: a question into your interview. I think we'd certainly get more kids reading in history Mm -hmm. classes if they would offer those options. And I would Uh, strongly encourage it as an educator. Well, Larry and I,
0: we've actually had this conversation a few times already this season on the podcast about our classics working anymore. Like what? what will get students to read. And I think you're right. I think if it's something that they like, and maybe something that will prompt them to go pick up a book about World War II and learn more, like, why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And I, I mean, history is only as true as the author that's writing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think when you get these different Perspective taking um, accounts in you know historical fiction, mm-hmm. it, it might actually help them relate to the material a little bit mm-hmm. more. So, oh, absolutely.
3: after I read The "Splendid in the Vile," I read another book. I don't know maybe it was within the "Splendid in the Vile," and you could, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it talking about how um, Churchill would like? Take baths in front of his staff and like yes. walk around, and I'm like,
1: he'd host um, staff meetings while he's in the bathtub, and yes. i like, no, and that's just freaky weird. weird. Why would he right. do that?
3: And so here I'm talking to my kids, you know, they're talking about politics and you know officials, and I'm like, well, let me tell you about Winston Churchill, like, <laughs> and where so is you, he? You know,
1: fuzzy bath, yeah.
3: right? And I oh, think it's, just, it's amazing. And then you put, think about that individual. <laughs> In that setting. But then even like, I, I'm sure you guys are y'all crown watchers on Netflix. Oh,
1: yes, yes, yes. See,
3: to me, the crown is like historical fiction. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, absolutely. oh my gosh, Queen Elizabeth is the most fascinating woman. But to me, you know, as a kid, I'm saying you're telling my kids all about Churchill and about all these people. And oh, did you know this? And it just makes you relate to history that much more. and humanizes all of these people that you've heard about so much.
1: And I think that's what makes it really interesting is that it, it, you you hit on it right there with the fact that historical fiction humanizes people that we've learned about in history
0: and mm-hmm. that's where we
1: get drawn in. So
0: is there a period or a person that someone has not written about that you wish they would? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Ooh, that's a good question. That is a good
2: question. See, Amy, you were like, I don't know anything about this. Now you're asking the best <laughs> question.
3: What's <laughs> <laughs> your favorite book. <laughs> I don't know that there's a time period, but I, I almost wish there were more like geographies. You know, you guys mentioned colonization in Africa. Or, mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a lot of interesting history in India um and even asia i mean like memoirs of a geisha i don't know that that's that's really historical fiction but it was really interesting (laughs) Yes. (laughs) so you know i think i would just like more stories about different locations and i'm sure they're out there i just you know it's so hard to find
0: i'll find that out reagan we'll
2: see if there are some suggestions an interesting point reagan because i feel like there's you know, numerous books out there about the Holocaust, and you know, ranging from YA to nonfiction to just generic historical fiction. And I feel like we have a pretty good idea about Germany and Poland and Austria and all of the mm-hmm. main affected areas there. But there are so many other major historical events that I, I don't think have been completely touched. I could be wrong, though. That's interesting.
1: I, I don't think I've thought about have that. To ponder that to think about.
2: Well. I
0: don't have other questions. So maybe Amy does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, are there some some things you can recommend to each other, to me? Like what what's your favorite thing you've read or a few things? I think you've named a lot already, but if you've got more that you want to put out there, we would love to hear what they are. Well, I,
3: I'm definitely going to say we were the lucky ones. I think, um, you know, if you like Nightingale, definitely do we were the lucky ones. It's just... Unbelievable! All the different people that went through it, um, and then I would say, um, just to do a different era, the um, the invention of wings. It really, it was really, really good.
1: And I think I would say um, the things we cannot say, which is also Ooh, World War good. II. That was yes. a great book. Again, another World War II. I seem to have read a lot of World War II books this yeah. year. And then I would say The Giver of Stars. Oh, that's um, good too. That was a great book. Yeah, about, that's a good one about the women who brought books to the Appalachian mm-hmm. mountains. So mm. you know, those would be two of my favorites that I would highly recommend. The Giver of
2: Stars. Who is the author
1: on that? Do you know? Jojo Moyes. M O Y E S. I don't know if that's really how she says her name, but that's how that's we'll how I say in this
0: it. podcast. That's, yes. And then let me ask one last question: um, Is there like? On your timeline of reading, is there a decade? Like, what's the what's the most recent decade that you will read about? I mean, do you have you read anything about like a Cold War story or like, um, you know, like we were talking about JFK? I mean, yeah. So, what is the the most recent? Well,
3: I haven't read like historical fiction. I did re- read a book called Red Notice. That was about an American that was based in Moscow that set up an investment hedge fund and ended up getting kind of in the crosshairs of the Russian government. But it wasn't historical fiction, but he kind of wrote it from that perspective. It it almost read like a Tom Clancy book. It was riveting. But, Hmm. I mean, I guess that's a good point. I think the most recent really is, you know, the 1940s and World
1: War II, I think that would be the same for me. I don't think I've read anything that would truly classify as, as historical fiction that was after the you know, late 40s. So.
2: Well, it's also hard, uh, I'm sure, because it probably takes between 30 to 50 years before people really have a full scope of what um, right. what has happened in history. So I, I'm sure there'll be more of what you're talking about, Amy, coming up.
0: And in- Oh, I'm writing a COVID one right now, y'all.
1: <laughs> well, I don't legally <laughs> <we> know anything <laughs> about that yet. Put <laughs> us down to prove yeah. it. <laughs>
0: uh. <laughs> oh
2: well thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. Well thank you for sure. inviting me. I enjoyed it.
0: is recorded in the FM90 and Panhandle PBS studios on the Washington Street campus of Amarillo College. The show is produced by Hilary Halsey and me, Amy Hart. Big thank yous to Colin Lutz, Jake Day for being our editor, Stevie Brashears for designing our logo, and the Mag 7 for providing music. Check us out on Facebook. And make sure you hit subscribe wherever you may be listening.